You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. Last week, we began to look at the introduction or the prologue section found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And I would encourage you not to just skip over this section and, and just presume it's merely a common greeting, for there is a lot of depth contained in these two introductory verses. And in today, I, I want to continue our study by looking at the greeting itself. Paul writes this in Ephesians 1, 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to overemphasize something to you, for we often misunderstand the profundity of it. As a reminder, in the last study, we looked at verse 1 and showed how the verse hangs on the words of and in. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he was writing to the saints and believers in Christ Jesus. See, Paul was an apostle for Christ. He was an apostle of Christ. And and likewise, he was writing to the saints and believers whose position was in Christ Jesus. And you could say the reason they were called saints and believers was because they were found in Christ. See, it's all about sourcing. Paul continues into this verse and says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Note note that he's not talking about two different entities here or two sources, but rather the grace and the peace come from one single place, God himself. Isn't that awesome? Paul uses the phrase God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as if it's the entire Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all being wrapped up and consumed with this giving of the grace and the peace. Now, this is further emphasized in the Greek word from. Now, that Greek word apo, which is how we translate it, or the word we get the word from is from, is all about this idea of origin. You see, the idea of apo or from can either refer to a material from which something is made or the person from whom an action comes. Thus, get this, the origin of the grace and peace is not some external thing. It literally is from the inside of God himself. So, so get this, God is not giving you something separate from himself. Rather, he gives you himself. Now, we will see this more fully when we get into the blessing section of Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14. But get this, grace and peace is not some trinket or some box on a table that God's going to hand you. Rather, he pours forth grace and peace to you. It's as if he's giving himself on your behalf. For he is our grace and our peace. Oh, that's so important. See, God doesn't just give me things. He gives me himself. Well, this greeting is found in all of Paul's letters. This idea of the grace and the peace. In fact, every single letter that Paul writes, he uses grace and peace to you except for First and Second Timothy and Titus. And those, he also includes the word mercy. So grace, mercy, and peace. Now, when you look at this idea of grace and peace, it's interesting that in the Greek culture, the, the word grace was an, a common greeting. Uh, the word grace here is the word charis, and the greeting was charin. But they would walk around in the, in, the, in, the, in the pagan Greek culture of the day, they would look at one another and say, hey, charis, as if to say, hey, how are you? 
Now, when you look at the Hebrew culture, the, the common greeting in the Hebrew culture for the Israelites was shalom, meaning peace. And it wasn't just peace. It was a greeting about <clears throat> that containing a blessing of health and soundness and well-being. So think this through. Paul is using the common Jewish and Gentile greeting of his day to greet the church in Ephesus, which was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Now, he also creates a deeper layer of meaning in this idea of grace and peace, which is highlighting the work of God in the lives of the believers. So let's walk through that really quickly. Now, the word as I already mentioned for grace is the word cherish, which means the favor and loving kindness exemplified. Now, remember that Jesus is the fullness of grace exemplified. And, and, and containing this idea of grace is four ideas. So let me give them to you really quick. Number one, grace is freely given and generously given, but you must be willing to receive it. See, here's God and he's so full of grace. In fact, he, it's, it's part of who he is. He's extending grace to you. He's wanting to lavish his grace upon you. It is Jesus himself. But do you realize that in order to embrace or receive grace, you, you have to take it. See if, see, if I cross my arms and say, nope, don't want it, I will never experience the grace of God. But it is being lavishly poured out if I would receive it. Number two, you, you must remember that it is God who brings about, or it's grace, sorry, that brings about salvation. Uh, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Do you realize that Jesus is our salvation and it is by his work upon the cross that we are saved? But again, we must receive it. See, it is grace that brings about salvation. Number three, grace is our power, is the power to live godly in this ungodly world. A mentor of mine, Eric Ludi, often mentions that, that far too many of us see, see grace as a, merely a hug or, or, a, or an overcoat that we put on. See, here we are, we're living in this wintry weather land and, and oh, the grace of God, it's an overcoat that we put on. Oh, it, it warms me up. Oh, it, it's merely a hug of God. He gives us forgiveness. But do you realize that grace is far beyond that? Yes, that's all true. And yes, he gives us forgiveness. And, and yes, as we already read in Ephesians 2, wait, it's in grace that is our salvation. <clears throat> but do you realize that not just is grace our salvation, grace is our power, is the, is the enablement to live godly in this ungodly age. See, it is the resource. It is the enablement. It is, it is the strength of living. See, it's not that I just needed God's grace when I got saved. I need God's grace every single day. And when his grace is empowering me, it literally gives me the, the power to, to think rightly. <clears throat> it gives me the power to speak correctly. It gives me the enablement to live in triumph and victory. Why is it that we can live victorious over sin? And, and again, it's not that we're being sinless. That's not what we're talking about. But, but here's this temptation. How can I walk in victory and triumph? It's by his enabling grace. It's his power. It's his, his supply for you to live the life that you are called to live. Isn't that a phenomenal reality? Why would you want grace merely to be a hog or a, an overcoat you put on when it could be so much grand, grander in, in, in your life? Do you realize that God wants to enable you to live the Christian life? The Christian life is not just something you, oh, wouldn't it be great? The Christian life is, 
wow, I, I can live this thing. Not by your strength, not by your wisdom, not by your talent, but it's by his grace. Number four, the word grace also gives this idea of the goodwill or a favorable attitude towards someone or something. So think this, think this through. God's attitude towards you is full of grace. See, you are the burn of his heart. You are the thought on his mind, the apple of his eye, or the sparkle of his smile. See, God desires to lavish himself upon you, to be your substance and your source. He truly desires to be your, your everything and for you to build your life around and upon him. See, God demonstrates this graceful attitude towards you that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to form his holy character and life within you. And that is his attitude towards you. Isn't that, a, isn't that just a phenomenal reality? Have you experienced the grace of God like that? Have you just been lavished in this reality? Have you embraced, have you received his grace? Not just salvation, though that's a huge part of it, but the enablement, the empowerment to walk victorious and triumphant over sin. It's to have the right mind, the right heart, the right attitude, and the right language, the right living. Well, let's look at the word peace. <clears throat> Paul says you're going to have grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that because of God's amazing grace, we can have peace? And that idea of peace is linked with the concept of reconciliation. Now, in reconciliation, the enmity or the, the hostility between God and humanity is overcome and peaceful relations are restored because of the cross of Christ. <sighs> Do you realize that when we experience the peace of God, it is a bringing together, it is, it is a knitting, it's a reconciliation <clears throat> between God and humanity? Well, the word in Hebrew for peace is the word shalom. Now, when you think of the word peace, it's I think of like sitting on a beach and having some lemonade and, or, or even the idea of, okay, here's this battle. It's this war zone and, oh, we're going to have peace, which means there's a truce. But the Hebrew idea of shalom is far beyond all that. See, peace to the Hebrew mind is the removal of every enemy faction. And contained in the idea of peace is the idea of well-being and health and prosperity and security and soundness and completeness. So think this through. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul declares that Jesus himself is our peace. Do you realize that Jesus is our well-being? He's our health. He's our prosperity. He's our security. He's our soundness. And he is our completeness. It is through being in Christ that we discover that he is purging every enemy faction from within our lives. Whoa, isn't that exciting? See, Jesus doesn't merely give you give you peace in the midst of circumstances, he becomes our peace. See, if you were on a boat and the waves were crashing and you were getting seasick, you wouldn't feel what we would call peaceful. And yet you could still experience peace because peace is not a feeling, but it's a state of being. See, it's a position. Rather, it's a person that you live from. Jesus is our peace. Perhaps you could say that peace is merely the byproduct of being in Jesus. 
<clears throat> See, I, I don't go to Jesus to obtain peace. I pursue and go after Jesus for the sake of intimacy and relationship with him. But as I do, do you know what just floods my life? It's peace. See, peace becomes evident in my life the more I embrace Jesus. Think, think of the fruits of the Spirit. They're called the fruits of the Spirit. Which means these are not something that I produce. These are something that as, as I get wrapped up in the Spirit of God, as I live in the indwelling of his, of his presence in my life, there are these fruits that come out of my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are merely fruits. They are the evidences of the Spirit within your life. And one of them is peace. See, as I, as I get wrapped up in Jesus, as I, as I have his spirit through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life, what comes out of me is love. What comes out of me is joy. What comes out of me is peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are not things that I whip up. These are things that he produces as a result of me being in him. So as you look at this blessing section, see, Paul is pronouncing, a, he's given a blessing to the church in Ephesus. This is not some like quick shout out of a car window like, hey, God bless you. See, Paul wants to make sure that the Ephesians as well as us, that we realize that everything that we need is found in nowhere else but Jesus Christ. Just as Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.3, everything we need for life or for godliness is found in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a single thing that I need outside of life and godliness. And that's all contained in Jesus. So Paul uses this phrase, grace and peace, as a framework for the entire book. He starts with it in verse 2. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the book in chapter 6, verse 23 and 24, with that same idea of grace and peace. And it is from this blessing that Paul launches into the very first section of his letter in verses 3 through 14, which is all about the manifold blessings that we have in Jesus, which we're going to get into into our next study. What would it look like if Jesus truly was your grace and peace? What if he was your everything? I would encourage you to set some time aside today and ponder if you fully embraced God's grace. Are you walking day by day in the power and the resource of the indwelling Holy Spirit. For it is God's grace that enables you to walk in victory. Have you experienced the peace of God? Not some mere emotion or, uh, not, or some feeling, but the sanctifying removal of every enemy faction, every twisted habit, every sinful thought and action in your life. Has Jesus become the fullness of peace in your life day by day by day by day? In short, is Jesus your everything? Have you built your life around him? Or, or is it merely something that you declare with your lips but don't live with your life? Would you surrender afresh to the one from whom all grace and peace flows? For he is our grace and our peace. All right. In our next study, we are going to transition into Paul's first major section found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. And we're going to focus on the incredible blessings that God has for us. But there's a surprise. There's actually only one blessing. But you're going to have to wait until then to find out what it is. Now, if you'd like to join me in this study, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, read the entire book of Ephesians this week and preferably every single day. Number two, focus on 
you're reading specifically on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, as often as you can to get it in your mind. Now, again, we want you to saturate in it. We want, we want God to have time to reveal things to you as we read and ponder the passage. So soak and just sit and marinate in verses 3 through 14. And number three, if you want to go even deeper, then examine the word blessing in verse three, because it shows up three times and it's very significant. Well, thanks for joining me for today's study. If you would like to see an outline of the study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians 03 for lesson number three. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.